630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad. Nurse, beautiful move to the net. Great shot, score! And Edmonton completes a dramatic comeback! Riley takes the step, settles into the pocket. He's got some time. Now he's going deep, looking down the sidelines. Oh, what a catch! And that's going to be a touchdown all the way to the end zone for Darrell Walker. An absolute bomb. Edmonton's home for breaking news on your favorite teams. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on the voice of your Edmonton Oilers and Eskimos. 630 Chad. So what's the equivalent of bah humbug for Halloween? Asking for a friend. <laughs> How are all you ghouls and goblins doing tonight inside sports on Oilers and Eskimos Radio 630 Chet. Oilers broadcast tomorrow. They take on Chicago doubleheader Saturday, final game of the season for the Eskimos. And then the uh, Oilers game from Detroit where we're going to have some fun tonight. Canadian sports broadcasting legend Brian Williams is in Edmonton working on features for TSN's Grey Cup pregame show, and he's going to be on this show one hour from now. That'll be a lot of fun. Shortly after the 6.30 news, we will have the debut of a trailer for a new horror movie. Uh, and Inside Sports has been selected as the show on which this trailer will debut. That's going to be shortly after the 6.30 news, so very excited to tell you about that. The Oilers game last night was a close one, but it did not go Edmonton's way. Three power play goals for the Minnesota Wild, and Cam Talbot beaten by Michael Granlund for the game winner right up over the shoulder in the third period. Here's Talbot today talking about what happened on that play. I didn't think I gave him anything. I thought I held my ground pretty good. I couldn't really take any ice because of all the other threats, so um, I don't think I'd play that shot any differently. I think, you know, nine times out of ten, it goes over the net or hits me in the shoulder. He just made that perfect shot. All right, so there's uh, Talbot, how he saw the play. Former NHL goaltender now with the NHL on Rogers, our weekly guest here at Inside Sports. It is Kelly Rudy. Kelly, how are you doing? I'm fantastic. It's one of my favorite uh, days and nights of the year. Reed, as soon as I'm done uh, chatting with you, I'm going to head upstairs and start dishing out some candy. I love when all the kids come around the house, and we typically get, uh, I don't know, 100 to 120 kids, so it's a real fun night. Geez, I was going to say I, it was your favorite night of the year because you can just go around and eat more. <laughs> well, that's always on the agenda as well. <laughs> Were you in Buffalo last night for that Generet costume, Rick Generet? Oh, yeah. I was. Uh, our booth is right next door to Rick's. And so we saw for two periods he is all dressed up. It was a fantastic costume. In fact, even on our broadcast, uh, uh, Ryan Leslie did a feature on, on Rick, uh, the whole thing about how he was made up and uh, the whole bit. He was throwing out candy for the first two periods in every TV timeout, so it was fun. Everybody had a good time with it. And, by the way, it was one of the most thrilling hockey games I've watched this season. Both teams were exceptional, and the goaltending was uh, the same way. Yeah, Buffalo looks uh, pretty decent this year. You know, the Flames and Oilers in a, in a good battle in kind of a, uh, 
you know, I don't want to say mediocre, but no one's taking control of the Pacific Division, and, and I want right. to talk about that with you. If people don't know what we're talking about, Rick Jenner, at the uh, legendary Sabres broadcaster, had this very elaborate and realistic uh, Frankenstein makeup and costume last night for the Buffalo Flames game. So if, if you Google that or look online, you'll be able to see it for sure. And, and Kelly was yeah. in the booth right next to him. Uh, I, Cam Talbot, you know what? We, we talked last year about Cam getting beat on some shots over the shoulder from from sharp angles and further away from the net. Grandlin was was pretty close to the net when he let that one go. Uh, Talbot gave uh, how he looked at the play today. When you hear that clip and, you, and you've seen the goal, Kelly, uh, take us through what you think of that. Well, number one, when I heard him uh, comment about it, I just think about how the position has changed, and uh, I don't mean that in a bad way. Uh, they yacht more than we would have. Uh, in my day, we would not have even given up anything on the short side. Now, in fairness, I mean, that was the strategy, but on occasion, we still did give up a short side goal, uh, but not on a regular basis, which is happening now, but that's the way that the goaltenders see it. That's how the coached. Uh, coaches are okay with it. That uh, uh, They feel that uh, the style they're playing uh, allows them to do something differently if there's a pass and or a rebound. Um, you know, I just think, though, that at some point here in the next year or maybe a little bit longer, that I would hope that they sort of reconsider and allow a goaltender. Now, he, he still may want to play it the same way, Talbot, but allow a goaltender to redeploy his own weight also because, I mean, I've been talking for a long time. It is, it is almost like an epidemic where guys are getting uh, beat high short side uh, on a very regular basis. I can think of another one on Saturday night where uh, I believe his captain scored the game winner. It appeared to Hellebuck that he had everything sealed off high short side, but captain is still able to uh, score the game winner. So to me, I, I get what they're doing and why they're doing it. I just don't understand why everybody's so comfortable giving up uh, high short side when it used to be in my day. That was such a hard shot for, for players to make. But the players have never been more accurate in the NHL. And so it's as though they're, they're licking their chops when they see the goalie goes, go down in that position and allow something uh, short side. Well, and Talbot said in that clip, too, he said because of the other threats on the ice that he yeah. didn't feel like he could take his ice. And yeah. I'm not asking you this in a, in a let's dump on the goaltender type way. I just think it's interesting, and I know a lot of people asked Rob and I you know, how that went in last night. Rob used to score on goalies, so he's very deferential about talking about what goaltenders are doing. But, um you know the, the other obviously other threats on the ice, and, and I think I don't think I don't mean to say Cam's blaming anybody, but I think yeah. the Oilers would prefer that a, a guy on a power play doesn't get that close to the net with the puck. Yeah, and I would agree with that. And he had lots of time and lots of room to put himself in that position. And like I said, when just I don't know, I'm going to say about a second before Granlin decided to take that shot. I could sense it happening. I could just see how it was like, okay, well, this is opening up pretty nicely for me. And because the players practice that shot all the time, including a lot of guys near the end of warm-up, they're just trying to roof pucks from uh, in tight. And then I thought I could sort of sense like a different sort of plan and an urgency by Granlin that, you know what, I'm going to go, uh, I'm going to go more towards the net. And I think I have an opportunity to go high short side. So, 
but I'm like, you know, I understand what Cal was saying also, that he had other threats, and he did. And sometimes, you know, you're trying to read a play, figure out what the player might do, what his options are, and you're trying to process all this in a matter of a split second or a little bit longer. And so sometimes you do have to uh, pick uh, what you think is the best option, and sometimes it doesn't work out. Well, and I, I mean, look, I'm not going to offer a, a technical uh, knowledge of the position or a first-hand experience, obviously, but I know from watching Talbot and, and talking to other goaltenders, too, I mean, a lot of goaltenders are comfortable down on the ice, and that's how they push off and use their legs and go back and forth. I don't know if that's how you played or goalies played in your era, but I think Talbot there was, you know, he's thinking, okay, there might be a pass. I might have to slide across. So he then maybe that's why he thought if I only give him the size of a puck, he, yeah. he's probably not going to be able to hit it. But I, but a lot of not just Talbot, a lot of goaltenders, when they move laterally, they're doing it uh, along the ice as opposed to doing it with an upright push off. Yeah. Oh, there's no question about it. They're, it's phenomenal how good they are at that. And uh, uh, I'm envious about that ability because I certainly never had uh, that. Uh, I've never tried it. Uh, it looks really fun. It looks. Uh, like it's really comfortable and fairly easy uh, and makes the, the position a little bit easier. But, you know, in fairness, they still have to do, they still have to have the, uh, the base. And by that, I mean, they still have to have all the skating uh, techniques down. And uh, we don't use them very often or mention them, but, uh, you know, you still need the base crease movement drills uh, in order to get to that level where Talbot, Talbot is and, and all the other NHL goalies. It's fun to watch. I, I freely admit that and have for years. Yeah, well, and, you know, there was a, f- a 5-3 game the Oilers played on Saturday in Nashville. Granted, one goal was into an empty net. We got to see Koskinen play. Saros yeah. played again for Nashville. I mean, seven goals scored on goalies might seem like a lot in this day and age. I thought it was a very well-goaltended game, right? So, you, yeah. you know, and even Murray made some great saves uh, a week ago when the Penguins won 6-5 uh, in overtime. Yeah, well, and that's what I've been saying for a little while now, that uh, the goaltending's never been better. I love watching the guys, but the positional players have never been more skilled. And as an example, and I don't think you and I talked about this uh, earlier this season, but you know, let's just say, I don't know, 10, 15 years ago, and, and this is generalizing, of course, but you, if you're picking your, your defense for your team, you'd have three puck-moving guys and three big kind of... Uh, brutes back there that do the physical work and clear the front of the net and so on. And I bet there isn't uh, a handful of guys like that left. Everybody's a, a smaller size, skilled, can sh- shoot, can skate, great passers. And so you are going to have more score. And by the way, they don't defend as well uh, and they don't use their body as well uh, in defending. And so you are going to get a lot more high-scoring games. And uh, if it's not high scoring it's simply because the goaltending is great but you're still going to get tons of scoring opportunities so i kind of do like watching the, the skill that part of it because I'm, I'm amazed by how far the skill level has come in such a short amount of time i mean i've never seen the players use their edges better than the players in today's nhl it is because one of the things that i've always admired about the game and one of the things that i love doing uh, was skating, and so I was uh, really proud of how I used my edges. But it's nothing like the edge work you see in today's game. It is just simply astonishing how good uh, they've become in a, in a relatively short amount of time. 
Kelly, Alex Chason scored a tip-in goal last night uh, on a deflection shot from Matt Benning. He was screening Braden Holtby last week to help Evan Bouchard score his first NHL goal. Uh, Stoffer was uh, ill earlier today, so I, yeah. I did Oilers now as well. Craig Simpson yeah. talked about how he loved tipping pucks and how many yeah. extra goals he got by doing that. But it's something the Oilers haven't had. They haven't had a lot of deflection goals really for a long time. Maybe Chase on changes that mentality a little bit. And I know it's tough. I know it's it's easier said than done. But, but man, I mean, nothing gets to a goalie like being in his way and changing the direction of that puck at the last minute. So I hope the Oilers start to adopt some of the things Chase on's doing. Yeah, and he's been a nice addition. I have to admit, because of my Flames and Hockey Night schedule, I haven't watched every single Oilers game. But uh, uh, he has really resurrected his career. You know, he uh, he was in Calgary a while back, then he ended up going to Washington and uh, winning the Cup with them. And he's one of those kind of uh, forgotten about role players that, you know, he when he's really engaged, he does all those little things well, like going to the front of the net, He's got a big body. He skates really well. He can be fairly physical when he wants to be. So uh, when you add players like that, um, then you're getting uh, things that you wouldn't normally get. And by that, it's exactly what you're talking about, a big body that can deflect pucks in front of the net, which is always uh, extremely difficult for a goalie. Kelly, we're a long way from the playoffs, but you'd, you'd sooner be in a spot or really close, even at this time of year. Uh, San Jose, 15 points. They're three games over 500. Calgary, also 15 points. They're two games over. Uh, Vancouver's one game over 500. Edmonton is is two games over. Anaheim and Vegas, each a game under 500. And LA's uh, last right now, four games under 500. Uh, you know, a lot of people picked San Jose to win the division. I still thought Vegas would be good. Uh, but but even now you, you you see the danger of, of of falling behind a little bit. Edmonton's advantage is they they've played fewer games than than most teams. Yeah. And like I said, they are a couple of games under five hundred. But it, it's an interesting division. It's it's kind of a big muddle right now. Yeah, I don't know really what to make of it yet. I've uh, just started, you know, the the traveling and seeing a bunch of teams. And what really I guess stands out to me is that. Um, when some of the teams are on, they're really, really good. But if they have a bad night, they're pretty bad. And, you know, you're always looking for that consistency. And I'm just not sure why when you're off that you're off so bad. And uh, uh, I'm just trying to get my head around it. And I, I'm talking to even some good teams that I've, I've covered, that, uh, like Winnipeg. I mean, that is a team that I did not think they would be off to uh, like a 7-4-1 start, even though most teams would take that. I think that their team is better than that. And, uh, you know, they, I think, wasn't it Blake Wheeler even said that they're having a hard time dealing with the expectations. So maybe that's a part of it early on here for a bunch of teams. Well, and and I think the weight of the expectations hurt the Oilers last season. And you're right. I mean, the Jets have a good record. Uh, you know they're in a playoff spot, but you know they've lost. They've lost some unexpected games. They blew that lead against Edmonton, and then people start asking you, "Well, why don't you just win every game? You know, why don't? Yeah, why, yeah. yeah you have sixty percent of your points. Why don't you have seventy? Right? And then, yeah. then you start to be like, "Oh my God, what's going on?" Well, they lost two uh, in a row to the Maple Leafs as well. So that tells you. I mean, the Maple Leafs are a really good team, and then when you start to lose uh, two out of, or two out of two of those, then you maybe start to question yourself even more so. Kelly, uh, enjoy the uh, candy process tonight. When are you on the tube next? Pardon me? Uh, oh, I said, 
uh, tomorrow. I do uh, Flames uh, Colorado's here. Then I'm back to Toronto on Friday for Saturday. Then I'm home for a couple. Then I go to California with the Flames next week for one game. Awesome. Kelly, have fun tonight. I hope your family's doing great. Thanks, pal. See you later. That is Kelly Rudy checking in, former NHL goaltender, now a broadcaster with uh, Sportsnet Rogers, and a great perspective there on uh, on some goaltending. And it is uh, kind of a, I don't want to say a, a stumbly start for the Pacific Division, but you haven't had that team that's that's burst out with you know a nine and three start like Nashville. San Jose has gone six three and three. But the Oilers are right there, fourth in the division, uh, but just a point behind Vancouver and the Oilers with a couple of games in hand as well. If you would like to chime in, the phone number is 780-496-0063. You can also text 63630. Brian Williams is coming up at 705. We'll get some comments from Oilers practice today all ahead. You're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Edmonton Sports Leader, 630 Chan. Oh, nice music choice, Kellen Kennedy. Thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. It's 627. It is indeed Halloween. There is one game in the NHL tonight. That's it. It doesn't start until 8 o'clock. Chicago at Vancouver, and of course the Blackhawks are at Rogers Place tomorrow night to face the Edmonton Oilers. You can text 630-630. Benny Blanco says, hey, Reed, what do you think about Pontus Aberg tearing it up in Anaheim? I'm picking my jaw up off the floor, Benny. He has four goals. He got two last night. Uh, I did not see that coming. Obviously, Nashville traded him to Edmonton, and he uh, couldn't work his way into the Oilers lineup. Uh, good for him. Uh, I mean... I, I don't wish bad things on players, so uh, good for him to be doing well. Would have been great if he uh, would have been able to be that productive in Edmonton. He uh, he still would have been here. So anyway. He was a PTO for Anaheim this year, wasn't he? No, he was a waiver claim. Oh, he was a waiver claim. You remember okay. Edmonton had him. Right, right. And, okay. And then, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, Anaheim picked him up off waivers. So anyway, uh, text 630-630-780-496-0063. We have some comments from Todd McClellan coming up. Uh, Morley Scott's going to check in in the next half hour of the show. You'll hear from uh, Mike Riley, who's the Eskimos nominee for most outstanding player in uh, the Canadian Football League. And uh, after the 6.30 news, we're going to have the debut of uh, a trailer for a brand new movie that's coming out. By the way, Ty Ratty missed the last six games for the Oilers, hoping to be back soon. Day-to-day right now, I guess, is the best I can put it. Um, I, I feel good. I'm progressing in the right, right way, and, and now it's, just a, it's a matter of how my body reacts to skates and stuff like that. But uh, uh, right now I feel good, and, and we'll go from there. Obviously, uh, Kyler Yamamoto has been up there with McDavid and Nugent Hopkins most of the time in Raddy's absence. Drake Kajula played there in the third period last night. We'll discuss some of the uh, line combinations and shuffling that's been going on when we get back as well. Inside Sports. On Oilers and Eskimos Radio 6:30, Chet. This is JC Sheriff from your Edmonton Eskimos, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 6:30, Chet. JC Sheriff is the Eskimos nominee for most outstanding defensive player in the Canadian Football League. We'll break down the full list for you with Morley Scott coming up later this half hour as the Eskimos prepare for 
uh, an unfortunately meaningless game against the Winnipeg Blue Bombers on Saturday. You heard the toys uh, on the turf commercial, uh, so we we would love it if you're going to the game to bring something for Santa's Anonymous. You can bring a toy, you can bring a, a cash donation as we get rolling into uh, the Christmas season here. Well, it's not quite the Christmas season, but we, uh, you know, Santa's Anonymous is uh, always there, always there for you to make donations. Willie McCovey has passed away at the age of 80, one of the all-time greats for the San Francisco Giants. Of course, he's in the Hall of Fame. Uh, never won a World Series. He did line out to end the Giants' 1962 World Series loss to the New York Yankees. Willie McCovey passes away at the age of 80. My name is Reed Wilkins. It's Inside Sports on Oilers and Eskimos Radio 630 Chet. I want to remind you some guests on the show get gift certificates to Northern Chicken. Check them out online, northchickenyeg.com. Check them out in person, 124th Street, 107th Ave. You will not be disappointed. Uh, try the Doritos mac and cheese. Kellen, it is Hall- Halloween. It As is. As you know, it's time to wear uh, crazy costumes, talk about spooky stuff, and for some people, watch scary movies. Well, we have something very special here. Ooh. A uh, new horror movie has been made and is coming out soon, and the makers of this film have a radio trailer for the film, and they have asked if it could be debuted on Inside Sports, and we get to that. Well, let's hear it. Right now. Coming soon to Oil Country. A tale of terror unlike anything you've ever experienced. Throw to Monahan. Monahan scores! The Calgary Flames. Toronto Maple Leafs in the Stanley Cup Final. No, Two rivals of the Oilers going head-to-head for hockey's greatest prize. I, I want to watch, but it's going to make me puke. Featuring Bob Layton as Mike Babcock. Hey, let me tell you something. We just have to work harder. That's what it comes down to. And Joe Pesci as Johnny Gaudreau. You calling me little? Like I'm smaller than you? It's the movie event that critics are calling a nightmare. And hockey fans are calling not plausible. With a special appearance by Christopher Walken as Commissioner Gary Bettman. I want to congratulate both teams on a great series. Leafs, Flames for the Stanley Cup. A tale of hockey horror. <laughs> well, that might be too frightening to watch. I'm scared. That's uncomfortable to watch. We'll see how it does, I guess, once it gets a cinematic release. Sounds kind of creepy. Anyway, thanks to the makers of that film for choosing Inside Sports for uh, for its debut mm-hmm. for, the, for the trailer. We'll uh, have to check Showtime at a theater near you. Uh, thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. It is Inside Sports on 630. Chad, my name is uh, Reed Wilkins. By the way, thanks to uh, Russ Moore in our production department for assembling that uh, trailer and the voice talents of uh, Kerry McCarthy as well. That was, uh, that was pretty cool. All right. So the Oilers back at practice today. And uh, I know a lot of people 
uh, are uh, analyzing the line combinations. Uh, some of you have been upset about Puliarvi being out, uh, Kajula going up to the top line in the third period uh, yesterday. Um, Todd McClellan was asked today, do players need to do more than provide offense to develop trust with the coaching staff? Definitely. Um, and, and every player, their trust period is either shorter or longer. Dep- depends how they play, the position they play, the um, ammunition they give the coach or the coaching staff. And, the, and that's basically what players do every day. They, they give a staff ammunition to use them more or use them less, to move them around on lines. And um, their, their, um, the, the, the evidence is in the game, um, you know, which is, is, is interesting because a lot of people think that the coach takes the player out of the lineup or moves them down the lineup. The, the player does that, uh, not necessarily the coach all the time. So it takes a while. All right, so it's pretty simple here, guys. Yessi Pugliarvi uh, was initially scratched because uh, the coaches don't trust him. And uh, I think he didn't return to the lineup sooner because the Oilers won three in a row. They lost yesterday. I would not be surprised if he plays tomorrow. Uh, I know, uh, you know, I, I, I see and hear a lot of stuff, and there's, you know, some analytics. I think the uh, Twitter account is called Wheat and Oil. I don't know who the person is who runs it, but uh, he or she was putting out some stuff last night about players, uh, their coursey with McDavid, the amount of uh, dangerous scoring opportunities that they uh, generate on the ice while McDavid is on their line. And I think you have to be careful with some of that because McDavid generates so much himself. And I, I mean, sometimes he just walks through the other team and gets a high scoring opportunity. And quite frankly, no other oiler on the ice has had anything to do with it. Sometimes they do, but not always, because I, I know there are a lot of the analytical numbers that say Nugent Hopkins has been the best line mate for McDavid, and Pooley has been the second best line mate for McDavid. And I hope, yes, the Pooley turns into a great player, but I, I haven't seen those strides yet. And I think the coaches haven't seen those strides, and that's why he hasn't been in the lineup the last few games, and that is why he's not higher up in the lineup when he has played. Now, I get it. That doesn't mean that there are guys who are obviously better than Pugliarvi. Well, I think there I, there are guys who are obviously better than Pugliarvi, but they're not way better than Pugliarvi, and they maybe don't have the potential that he does. But that's why we have seen him not play, and we have other see, seen other players get those opportunities. And here is the, the problem the Oilers have. And I was talking about this earlier today on Oilers Now because I, I sat in for Bob. But the Oilers have four forwards who historically in their careers who have been steady point producers or excellent point producers. And those guys would be McDavid, Nugent Hopkins, Dreisaitl, and Lucic. Now the problem with Lucic is he has two goals in his last 57 games. So you no longer even put him in that category. So whoever the Oilers are putting on the first line or even on the second line is a hope maneuver. It's a hope maneuver. It really is. Even when Raddy comes back, I still think there's some hope there. Can he keep doing it long term? So I'm kind of a little amused with a lot of the anger and frustration over the line combinations because... I think if the answer was that simple to put the line the, the the lines together, they they would have put the best lines together already. So to to tell me, well, well, this guy is not good enough. This guy should be there. 
uh, my, my retort to that would be, what evidence do you possibly have? Because no player uh, has consistently demonstrated it. Maybe they should put Nuge, McDavid, and Dreisaitl just on the same line and fire away and try to win games in the 22 to 25 minutes they play per game. But I, I don't. I, I really, I'm failing to see, and I know it's not all of you, but to those of you who are really upset, I fail to see how you're convinced a certain line combination is going to work if McClellan and the staff would just try it. I fail to see how you know Jesse Pugliarvi's going to go out there and, and produce when he's not doing all the little things uh, away from the puck to be effective. Because he, he really isn't. If, if you're seeing that, I don't know what you're watching. And I usually don't tell people they're flat out wrong, but I think in that case you would be. Um, and, and quite frankly, there are some good things about how the Oilers are playing this year. They're moving the puck up ice better. Uh, they're breaking out better. They're they're defending better on the whole, not every night. Special teams are now in question after the last couple of games. But when I'm evaluating what coaches do, I, I place a lot more emphasis on those things than I do on the line combinations. And if you have a good team and you're winning games, you, you don't tinker with the lines. They're tinkering because they, they're not finding anything that consistently works. So I think you got to keep that in mind. 6.45, we'll take a quick timeout. Inside Sports on 6.30, Chad. This is Mike Riley from your Edmonton Eskimos, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 6.30, Chad. Halloween, everybody. Oilers game tomorrow. Oilers game Saturday on 6.30. Ched will have an Eskimos game Saturday afternoon. The man who will call the play-by-play, my good buddy Morley Scott. Morley, how are you doing? I am good, Reed. How are you? Doing great. Happy Halloween. Uh, thank you very much. I'm hiding out here so I don't have to answer the doorbell. <laughs> there you go. But I will be stealing candy, though, later, that's for sure. From not your... From, from not your from yeah, not from the... Not from the no, no the, uh, I, I love the uh, the leftover candies. I always like to buy extra, right? So that... Well, we, we got it. I got to eat it. We're not going to throw it out. Yeah, well, you right? can't put it to waste. Yeah, yeah, you're, not have an, yeah. you're not going to say, hey, kids, come back on November 1st and get the leftover candy. Exactly. So I'm going to eat it. I'm going to eat it. Somebody should do that post-Halloween. And I'm telling you this, the uh, the coffee crisps and the Wonder Bars, they're the last to be given out because those are the ones I want to save. Those are the ones I want to eat. So, well, I'm so glad the you... first group are getting pencils and sunflower seeds. Glad, glad you're in the true spirit of generosity, Morley. That's great. That is great. Uh, thanks a lot for sticking around, though. Eskimo is obviously the uh, week not carrying the importance that we... Hoped it would. The uh, award nominees have been announced for the team. Riley, player, Sherritt, defense, Botang, Canadian, O'Donnell, lineman, white special teams, hunter, rookie. No real surprises. I think everybody could kind of, going into it, could kind of predict who would win those awards to be nominated by the Eskimos. Roddy's obviously a no-brainer, fourth year in a row. He's been nominated. He was the league MVP last year. Fourth year in a row, he gets the Eskimos nod. J.C. Sherrod's had a, a wonderful bounce back here after missing all last year with the Achilles. Kweku Botang, I just love the Kweku Botang story. Uh, he was the Eskimos rookie last year. He became uh, their uh, one of their most important players defensively. They gave him more responsibility, more playing time, and he came through and played great. He is 
you get those guys that come along every every once in a while, really good Canadian defensive ends, and he is one of them. So uh, he's been a great story and fully deserving the Canadian nod honor. I wouldn't be surprised if at some point in the next few years he gets the Eskimos nod for defensive player as well. He's just that good. Uh, Matt O'Donnell, uh, I think, has had a great year because he's played, he's been wherever they need him, right? He, he started at guard, moved out to tackle, moved back to guard, and uh, he's always solid. He's always he's had a pretty good year, especially considering the circumstances. Lots of change on that offensive line this year, too, that he's had to deal with. Uh, special teams, Sean White, he's been good again this year. Special teams, you really had no one else to pick from. Natea Jay had a good year uh, on special teams tackles. Hugh O'Neill was really good punting, but White's the obvious choice. And I mean, in rookies, it was between Money Hunter and Nick Usher, right? Basically, they're the only two right. guys who played a lot, and Hunter gets the nod, so no surprise. I don't want to go through every category, yeah. but I do want to talk about most outstanding player because I have been saying, well, what about Andrew Harris? And what about William Powell? Neither guy gets his team nominee. Trevor Harris gets it for Ottawa. Adam Big Hill gets it for Winnipeg. And I'm looking at the MLP uh, nominees. I mean, kicker. There's a kicker nominated. Ty Long from BC yeah. is their MLP nominee, which was surprising. Is is Bo Levi Mitchell going to win MLP? Is Willie Jefferson of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders going to win MLP for the entire league? It's not often that uh, one was it was Solomon Alminimian, right? Who had the because uh, he got the tackle record. Yeah, the last and every time. quarterback got hurt that year too. Exactly, I think. that was that was the key. So it's not very often. I mean, there's been like, like Riley's had a great year, but it's hard to give an MLP non-playoff to a team. guy who's yeah. on a non-playoff team. And it takes nothing away from him. I mean, he did his job for the most part all season long, his third straight 5,000-yard season, leading the league in, in in passing yards. So, yeah, this might be one of those years that we get every maybe 10 years or so, I don't know how long, you know, on average, that a, a non... Because it's a quarterback award, basically. Right? Yeah, usually. Yeah. It's usually a quarterback award, but this might be the year that we get... It won't be the kicker, but it might not be a quarterback. Wait, well, Can you well, imagine the uh, the old guard... Uh, the uh, the traditionalist, if a kicker wins MLP. Well, I, well I'm one of them, I guess, because I was saying how Jamie Nye said, how do you not think Lewis Ward's going to win? And I said, because he's a kicker. Yeah. Now, Mark Mosley, 1982 Washington Redskins, strike short in nine-game season, won NFL MVP. But Lewis Ward did not get the Ottawa nod, though he should win special teams and rookie for the league. Oh, absolutely, yeah. For but sure, he's not going to win, win that, MLP. Uh, rookie of the year for sure. But yeah, Ty Long nominee, that kind of surprised me. I guess their quarterbacks of, you know, Lule is their best quarterback, and he's been injured, didn't play the full year, and Jonathan Jennings has had issues. Uh, a lot of their guys, their, their, like Arsenal was hurt, and, you know, you know, they've been rotating running backs in all season long, so they, they really didn't have a guy, and, and Long's been good. You know, so. Morley Scott joining us on Inside Sports. Eskimos Bombers Saturday afternoon at 2, Brickfield at Commonwealth Stadium. Uh, so the the approach to this game for for the Eskimos. I'll, I'll tell you one thing, just to kind of go back to the player award nominees, we talked to them all today, and to a man, they say, you know, I'd trade this for a playoff spot. That's, well, sure. That, you know, that's obviously that's what it is. It was a, it was a tough day uh, for guys getting individual accolades when the teams miss the playoffs and you have to play another game. It's a tough week. Don't kid yourself. This is a tough week for the Eskimo players. They're putting on a brave face and they're saying, you know, we got to be professional. We got to play the game. We got to prepare. And I'm preparing for this game just like I'm preparing for the last game. I don't know if that's a hundred percent accurate because it's 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 human nature, right? It's you, you just can't put what 
into it what you put into it. If if this game was do or die for a playoff spot, you'd prepare more than you're preparing now. That's just plain and simple. That's yep. just human nature. So, uh, But it's a tough week. I think the game, once the game comes, they're going to be fine because once the kickoff comes, they play football, right? And that's what they do. They they go by instincts and they go by you know muscle memory and all that stuff, and they just play their game. I think this game, everyone says it's going to be a tough game to play, and I'm saying, no, it's going to be a tough week to get to the game to play. Once they get to the game, they'll be fine. But playing, uh, practicing this week is pretty tough, I think, for them. But they're they're all saying, you know, and, and J.C. Sherrod summed it up best this week. He was saying, this is the last time we're going to play together, this team. And, you know, there's changes every year. There's going to yep. be changes, maybe more so because the team didn't make the playoffs. But he said, we gotta we got to cherish that. It's the last time this team is going to play together. Mike Raddy today said, we want to finish what we started. We want to finish it a couple weeks later, but we want to finish what we started. We want to finish on a good note. So it's a tough week, but uh, once the game starts, I think they'll be all right. Winnipeg. Like, they can't. They're locked That's in. it. They're third. Doesn't matter. The so only thing they is, don't know. This is interesting. The only thing they don't know, and they won't know until late Saturday night, is where they're going for the playoff game. They're either going to go to Regina or they're going to go to Calgary. And that all depends. Saskatchewan's finished. They're done. They got the bye week this week. Uh, if Calgary gets a win or a tie in BC against the Lions, then they get first place and Saskatchewan finishes second. If Calgary loses, then Saskatchewan gets first place and then the Bombers will go to uh, Calgary instead of Regina. So that's the only thing on the line this weekend. Okay. Well, Morley, uh, it's too bad this wasn't coming down to a showdown or for the Eskimos playing for something else, but uh, I know you and Dave are, are uh, ready to rock and roll and bring something for 630 Chess Santa's Anonymous. Absolutely. It's uh, Toys on the Turf Day. You get to take it right down on the turf and, and drop it off. They're going to pile them up there. Uh, we'll also have people outside the stadium t- collecting toys and cash. Cash is good. Yep. Cash is king, actually. Cash is good. Uh, so if you don't want to get a toy, you don't have time to get a toy, you can also head the bank machine up and you know bring a 20 or something and, and drop it off. It'd be great. Uh, anything's appreciated. It's kind of the kickoff to the 630 Chid Santa's Anonymous campaign for the year, and it's always a big fundraiser, so let's hope people still come out to the game. Let's face it, you know, I mean, you're Eskimo fans, you're football fans, this is the last chance you're going to get to see the team this year. You, if you want to wait till May, wait till May, but this is the last chance you get to see the Eskimo. So come on out and uh, help out 630 Chid Santa's Anonymous as well. Morley, we'll see you around. All right, Ray. Morley Scott, great to have him on the show. This will be fun next half hour. Canadian broadcasting legend, Brian Williams. 6.30 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 6.30 Chad.